And that is God said, let there be light. And there was light. Overwhelmed by the reality of the power of God. Who is God? You see, God has great and mighty abilities. No matter your circumstance, no matter your problem, God, listen, is spirit. God is life. God is infinite. He's immutable. He's truth. He's love. He's eternal. He is holy. He's immortal. He's invisible. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. God is able. And only Him can we trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of John. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stewart. In the 1920s and 30s between World War I and World War II, there was a man by the name of Andre Maginot. They had a wall of defense built between Belgium and Switzerland, spanning over 150 miles, much of it built underground. And after about 10 years and over $200 million, this line of defense was completed. They called this the Maginot Line. This line of defense was established to, uh, to be a line of protection that was deemed indestructible. This new state-of-the-art defense system had given the people of France a level of protection and a level of hope that Germany would never invade them again. Hitler, though, began to develop a new type of warfare when he began to use heavy artillery and tanks. Regardless, France still believed that their Maginot Line could never be defeated. It was a matter of no time that the Germans passed right through untouched, sweeping across France and Belgium and Holland all the way down to the English Channel. After all of the money, after every desire of effort and trust in this line of defense, listen, it left them lacking. It failed them. It wasn't able to accomplish what they had planned for it to accomplish. Can I ask you a question today? What is it in your life that you come this morning that you place your trust in? What is the object of your trust? Or who is the object of your hope? For France, it was this line of defense that, that took them 10 years to build and over $200 million. But Hitler simply walked around the wall. It wasn't long enough. We are living in days when people trust in everything but what they should. The church needs to be reminded that we are to trust in God. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, because I think it's so relevant for our lives and today. It's a simple passage, but one that is packed with great truths. He says, 
Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. What a simple and clear truth. Three things that I want you to gather as you walk out of here today that I want you to remember. First, I want you to remember that we must trust in God. Listen, you must trust in God. Secondly, you must rely on God. And thirdly, you must recognize God. Let's have a look at the first appeal as I want you to realize you must trust in God. The passage begins, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, trust is the centerpiece of this passage. Everything else in this verse really revolves around trusting, having faith, and placing one's confidence. And it's this that we see, he says, trust in the Lord with our lives and with everything else because all outside of Christ will fail. So what do I mean by trust? Well, the Hebrew word here is batak. It means to confide in. It means to set one's hope on or confidence towards, to have a full assurance in something or someone. And so if you'll notice, it says trust in. And this, this drives us to action that there is something specific in which God commands us to trust. Listen, it's really easy to trust in something you can control. But it's another thing to give your trust to something or someone that is out of your control. There is a high demand in our culture for which it's seeking our trust. Everywhere we turn, they want to gain your trust. Every company, every political party, every television commercial, every bank, everyone and everything, they are seeking and they are pursuing, they are longing for, they are looking and they are requesting your trust. For example, the president wants you to trust him. The Republican Party wants you to trust them. The Democratic Party wants you to trust them. Uh, the, the, the people in 401k want you to trust in them. They want you to trust in Social Security. They want you to trust in this insurance company, this life insurance, or this bank, or this church, or some educational institution. We're being asked to trust doctors and hospitals and social outlets, Fox News, CNN, ABC, CBC, Whatever BBC. Is it Mike's weather page or is it the weather channel? I like Mike's weather page. <laughs> but the reality is, is we are being confronted every minute of every day with this pull towards them desiring for us to trust and what they have to offer, whether something or someone. And if we're going to be absolutely honest with ourselves, we've offered up our trust to too many without warrant. We have so much of what people have given over their trust to. They haven't even shown to be trustworthy. Yet many have placed their trust in everything and failed to put their faith and their trust in God. 
Verse 1 speaks of sonship language. Christian, children of God, followers of Christ. And it is our responsibility for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as believers to show full confidence toward God. There should be trust. Whatever your circumstance for which you find should be in the Lord that we place our trust. We say we trust, but do we really know what it is to trust? Because trusting is hard. But we are called to trust, to have faith. The Bible is full of examples of trusting that we see. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that that he wouldn't see death. By faith, Noah prepared an ark for salvation to his family and his household. By faith, Abraham, when tested, offered up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Isaac blesses Jacob and Esau, even regarding the things to come. By faith, Moses and all the people of Israel passed through the sea as through dry land. By faith, Paul, on his first missionary journey, after being stoned and left for dead, while his disciples are around him, he, he, he stands up and he goes back in the city by faith. But on the other hand, we see just as equally those not trusting God. Israel wouldn't go into the land. Asa, even though he stood before the multitude and the armies, yet in his illness he did not seek the Lord, but he relied only on physicians. Eve. She failed to trust God when she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruits looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She took and she ate the fruit, her and Adam. Sarah laughed at God and said, can a woman at my age have a baby? She failed to trust God. Job's wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. She failed to trust God. Peter, after Jesus is arrested, wrestled between faith and fear. He denied knowing Jesus three times. He failed to trust. You see, the truth is, trust is built on the foundation of faith. And if we are honest, there have been times in our lives and circumstances for which we have found ourselves, in which we have trusted God well, and there have been other times in which we have failed miserably. Trust is built on the foundation of faith. But listen, that foundation must be built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's faith that allows us to trust a matter of fact, it's impossible to please God without faith. And so we have to ask the question. We have to personalize the text and ask ourselves the question, are we genuinely trusting God in our lives? Because if we're not trusting God, listen, we are trusting something other than God. We must choose to exercise trust and faith in our lives. But the passage doesn't leave us without a focal point in which we are to trust and to have faith. The passage continues and says, we must trust in the Lord with all of our heart. 
I think this is a vital section of, of, of our passage today. Because there is much confusion in the evangelical circles when it comes to the topic of the heart. The Hebrew word here used for heart is lev. It means the inner man. It means the mind. It means the will. The very life, thoughts, and schemes of our mind. It's not this muscle in our heart pumping blood to our bodies. It's our very soul. But listen to what Scripture says. In Genesis 6-5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of mankind was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thought of their heart was evil continually. Genesis 8-21 says, The intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Hebrew word translated desperately wicked means a terminal illness. An incurable illness. Romans 1, chapter 1 to chapter 3 speaks of the total depravity of mankind. I don't think we understand in the evangelical community how bad sin is and how gulfed the separation between us and God really is before our relationship with Christ. Romans 8.8 8 says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Listen, you are born into this world with evil disposition only. So how are we called to trust in God with all of our hearts if our hearts are wicked above all? David understood his wicked heart when he says here in Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He compares the heart to the spirit within him. He says, create in me a steadfast, a renewed steadfast. Listen, every one of us were born into sin with a wicked heart bent toward sin. Listen, you don't have to teach your children to sin. Just put them in a room with one toy and watch. You have to teach them not to sin. You have to teach them right from wrong. And we as Christians have to learn right from wrong. And listen, it is the Word of God that demands what right and wrong is. We don't have the authority outside of the Word of God to determine what is moral and what is not moral. God sets our moral standards. And therefore, when the world says it's okay to be this way or to be this way, we say, no, the Word of God says that is evil. And if you really care about people's eternal destination, we will stand up and say, No, sin is sin. Because our heart is wicked. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. In my sin my mother conceived me. We were born in this world sinful. Listen, the, uh, the untrust of Adam and Eve affected humanity in a major way. They they forgot the consequences 
And the benefit outweighed their consequences because I really don't think they understood the consequences. We understand the consequence because we were born into sin. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all mankind because all has sinned. The word sin in the, hamart- uh, uh, in the Greek means hamartia. It means you've missed the mark. If I'm bow hunting and my desire is to shoot the bullseye, it means you've missed the mark. You've missed the bullseye. And all have missed the mark and fallen short of the glory of God. You may compare yourself to the Pope. You may compare yourself to some evangelical uh, pr- uh, man or woman. But regardless, no matter, that's not the standard God is. And we've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. And the wages of sin is death. It has always been death, and it will always be death. Here's where I'm going. You cannot trust in the Lord with all of your heart if God has not created in you a clean heart. You cannot trust in God the way God calls you to trust if you don't have a renewed spirit in you. Why? Because you're unregenerate. The Bible says you are dead. And your heart is wicked. And listen, the reality is is we all need regeneration. You need to be made alive. You need to be found in Christ. You need your heart to come to life. Because there has never been an instantaneous work of the Holy Spirit for which He removes your sinful nature as a dead man or woman imparts to you a new nature that now in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, allows you to respond to God in a positive manner. You need life. New life. You need to be born again. And if you are born again, it's not your heart that you trust. But it's the Spirit of God working in you and through you through His Word. The will of God never, ever contradicts His Word. Ever. And in order for you to trust in the Lord with all of your heart in the way that honors God, He, God, must give you a new heart. I love the imagery of God's promise in Ezekiel 36. He says in verse 25, I will sprinkle clean waters on you and you will become clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone and and from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put My Spirit within you and bring it about that you walk in My statutes and are careful and follow My ordinances. Listen, God is a God that works and He transforms and He brings dead hearts to life. It's God who does that. Not your works, not your abilities, not your efforts. Look, I will. I will cleanse. I will sprinkle. I will give. I will remove. I will put. God 
will do His work in you and through you for His glory. So when He says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, unless it's built upon the foundation and faith in Christ, for which God sent His Son into the world to give you life, and He indwells you with the Spirit of God at conversion, you have no opportunity. You are dead in your trespasses and sin, and you need Christ desperately. You can't trust in the Lord with all your heart. If God hasn't created in you a clean heart, you need to be made new. You need to be saved. You need the Holy Spirit to take up residence within you and begin to work. So how are you regenerated? By God. John 1.13 says, But as many as received Him, To them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born, listen, not of blood, nor of flesh, nor the the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. How are you regenerated? By the Spirit of God. Titus 3.5 says, But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. There is the idea in which God begins to work, and He comes in and He regenerates you, and He gives you a new heart. So what should be the effect? Of a regenerated heart. The Bible says you are made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new have come. So how should a regenerated life change your current situation? Well, you should bear fruit. Why? Well, when you're regenerated, you become powerfully determined. Why? Because you have been made new. And regeneration is to be defined as the start of a new inclination toward holiness. Before, when you were dead in trespasses and sins and you had a wicked and evil heart, your inclination was to only sin. But now that God has created in you a clean heart and saved you based upon the work of the cross of Jesus Christ in faith alone, in Christ alone, He puts in you the Spirit of God and renews you by the process of regeneration. And now because of that crucifixion in Christ, in Galatians 2.20, says, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer is I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Now, in that relationship with Christ, my inclination can be moved towards holy living. And God will see it to pass. The indwelling of the Spirit, listen, creates a new life. The Holy indwelling Spirit confirms to the believer that he belongs to the Lord. Romans 8, 15 and 17. The indwelling Spirit imparts the new believer as a member of Christ's universal church. That's what we say as this church, it's just as easy to be a member of the universal body of church as it is to be a member of our church. You must be saved. The indwelling of the Spirit gives spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12.11 The indwelling of the Spirit helps the believer to understand and apply Scripture in his daily life. 1 Corinthians 2.12 The indwelling of the Spirit enriches the believer's prayer life. Romans 8.26 and 27 The indwelling of the Holy Spirit yields the believer to live for Christ. That's the, that's the process of sanctification. 
in which you're becoming more like Christ. The indwelling Spirit, listen, gives evidence of new life. If there is no evidence, if, it, if there is no fruit, then beware. Maybe there's nothing changed on the inside. Because when God comes and takes up habits in with you, you can't help but to be changed to live for Christ. The indwelling of the Spirit is grieved when the believer sins. Ephesians 4.30 and calls us to confess our sin in 1 John 1.9. You're changed. That's what regeneration means. That the God of heaven has changed your heart. Regeneration means that you have union with Christ. You are now in Christ. Although you were previously alienated and hostile in attitude, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His body of flesh through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless, above and beyond reproach. Listen, we are called to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, and you can only do that if you are born again. Born by God. You can't trust in the Lord in your family, in your marriage, with your money, in your business, in your sickness, in your friendships, in your walk with God in the face of a virus. In every part of your life, be dependent on God apart from a relationship with Christ. It would be like telling a deaf man to listen up. He's dead. He can't move. It's like talking to somebody in the casket. Unless God, like He does Lazarus, changes, gives life, they can't do it. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by waters that sends out its roots in the streams and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease and bear fruit. He says in Psalm 56, 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I didn't say you would never be afraid or that you would never experience doubt, but trust is what we're called to. Proverbs 16, 13 says, commit your way to the Lord and, and your plans will be established. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man lays a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is safe. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Psalm 37.3 Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. We are called over and over and over in the Scriptures to trust and to trust in the Lord with every area of our life and with every circumstance in which we find ourselves. Because God wants to show the world who He is. And He does that through faithful men and women who stand for Christ and in faith. We are called to stand. So many folks are scared. They're scared to death. They're walking in fear. The decisions that are being made are rooted in, in fear. 
And much of what's being done, much of what's being said, much of what's been thought is not even biblical. It's so obvious how easy it will be for the Antichrist to deceive the world. But for his elect, for his children, we're to trust in God with all of our hearts and by faith. We're to encourage one another to walk by faith. But we must not only trust in God. Secondly, I want you to see we must rely on God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and not on your understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Listen, this means do not depend on oneself. Why is this important that we not lean on our own understanding? I mean, God did give us some cognitive abilities. He gave us the ability to think. Well, this isn't a question of logic. We can't understand God. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who become His counselor? It's a rhetorical question. Listen, it's a command to, to do not lean on one's own understanding. Listen, God not only asks us to trust in the physical things, uh, a, a God for the physical things of life, but also requires for Him, for us to trust in the spiritual things of life. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've leaned on my own understanding many times in life been discouraged and a lot of times walk in fear. And there are many people today who are leaning on their own understanding in everyday life and living a life separated from the Lord Jesus Christ. So hear me close when it says in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. People need to rely on Christ. Why? Because their understanding comes from their logic. It seems logical that when you get to heaven, God will just outweigh the good and the bad and says, enter the gates, you you did more good than bad. But that doesn't work. I think we have a great opportunity. The body of Christ. It's such a time as this to make a footprint in history by simply walking by faith. Trusting God in our lives. And it will have to start by the body of Christ relying on Him. So can I ask you a question today? Are you relying on Christ, placing your faith in the Lord? Are you living your life as an overflow of fear? I just said it the other day, and I mean it. When fear moves in, faith moves out. You can't have both. Both don't exist. And your fear caused by some outlet, many times it should have never earned your trust anyways. Don't put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. Be like King Asa that stood before that impossible multitude. Lord, there is none beside you to help in the battle between the powerful and those who have no strength. Lord, help us, Lord our God, for we trust in you. And in your name we have come against this multitude. Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Our reliance must be in Christ. For our every need, and indeed for our salvation. We need to have a strong, faithful reliance on God. He says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. 
We must trust in God. We must rely on God. But lastly, I want you to see we must recognize God. He says in Proverbs 3, 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. The, the word here in the Hebrew for acknowledge means yada. It means to know. You see, it's not until we know who God is and, and how powerful God is and how capable of God is. As I woke this morning, in my mind there was one phrase about the power of God. And that is God said, let there be light. And there was light. Overwhelmed by the reality of the power of God. Who is God? You see, God has great and mighty abilities. No matter your circumstance, no matter your problem, God, listen, is spirit. God is life. God is infinite. He's immutable. He's truth. He's love. He's eternal. He is holy. He's immortal. He's invisible. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. God is able. And only Him can we trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Folks are placing their hope in everything but God. And everything that they've placed their hope, listen, will fail them in the end. But when we trust in God, when we lean on God, when we know who God is and His capabilities, it's then we can come to understand that, listen, God does not fail. He is faithful and good to the end. He will provide all of your physical needs and your spiritual needs for every believer. You are being sanctified. You are being transformed in the image of Christ. And sometimes in the difficulties of life, when you're in the valley, the only thing you have left to do is to look up to God. We need to believe that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and raised on the third day. And that is why we can say, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 1.16 Listen, God won't leave you stranded. He will not leave you abandoned. Rather, He will direct your paths. You just need to know God and trust who He is. Some may be here and have yet to learn to trust God because they've never trusted in Christ for salvation. Today, you'll have that chance. He's given you breath in your lungs. He's brought you here. You thought you were coming here for just some other reason. And this morning, God's tugging on your heart to believe the Gospel and be saved. Listen, I know you're hurting. I know you're being pressed on every side. I know your wife didn't want to be here with you this morning. I know your children are walking away from the Lord. I know that money is tight. I know that bill still needs to be paid. I know that the job that you have is on the fence. I know you've lost your job and now you have cancer and you have no hope. I know you're addicted to drugs and alcohol. I know you haven't read your Bible in six months because you're in sheer pain and chaos. I know your character is being attacked and your reputation smeared in the mud, but listen, from my distress, 
I call upon the Lord. And the Lord answered me and put me in an open space. The Lord is for me and I will not fear. What can man do to me? For the Lord, for the Lord is, is among those who help me. Therefore I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in noblemen. All nations surround me. And in the name of the Lord, I will certainly fend them off. They surround me. Yes, they surround me. In the name of the Lord, I will certainly fend them off. They surround me like bees. They were extinguished like fire of the thorns. And in the name of the Lord, I will certainly fend them off. You pushed me violently so that I was failing. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength. And He has become my salvation. Listen, whatever it may be, if Christ is your cornerstone, if He is your salvation, you are a child of the Most High God. You are an heir of the King. And He will never leave you. And He will never forsake you. But if you fail to put your trust in Christ, listen, you will be like France and you will end up disappointed because you cannot do enough to please an almighty God who has paid the unpayable price so that you might live. You say, I believe tomorrow. Maybe, maybe you will. Maybe you will believe in Christ tomorrow. But maybe just tomorrow will never come. He's given you breath today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ while you can for your salvation, for your security, for your peace. And when the world around you is falling apart, we can stand firm in the faith. Some need to repent of unbelief and get back to trusting God and stop listening to the voices around you. Will you allow God today to make straight your paths? Well, it begins by trusting in God, relying on God and recognizing God for who He is. And He is indeed all-powerful. And if He is indeed all-powerful, He will prevail. Let's pray. want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you are challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of John. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.